Welcome to Greenlight Pod. I'm your host, Chris Long. Uh, I am going to hit a few topics today. We're, we're going to talk about um, tackle movement in the NFC East. A couple guys could be on the move. A couple iconic uh, offensive tackles in their respective franchises could be on the move. We've got a O-lineman for O-lineman trade. We have some Eagles movement uh, organizationally and player-wise, possibly, uh, in free agency. And we've, we've got broadcasting trades. We've got a whole bunch of stuff. And a reminder on Tom Brady. NFL news is heating up. Uh, there's a lot of free agency talk. There's post-combine talk. Uh, we've got some player movement trades, a player-for-player player trade, uh, and one long-term fixture in the NFC East who's probably on the move. Uh, actually, make that two. They're both tackles. One of them's going to hit free agency, and one has permission to seek a trade. Uh, the former being Jason Peters. Jason Peters has been in Philly for 11 years, uh, 11 brilliant years, uh, left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. One of the brightest spots um, in the franchise over that time. And somebody who I think uh, should probably have his number retired. I think the Eagles have about eight players, uh, including guys like Reggie White, Ryan Dawkins, Jerome Brown, uh, a number of guys that have their jersey numbers retired. I think number 71 should eventually hang in the rafters. That's how powerful a stint he had in Philly, or he has had in Philly, because Philly hasn't closed the door yet. Um, Just being there two years, I could really see the level of respect he had. And I could see, obviously, the product on the field, which even, uh, you know, in the back half of his 30s, is still very good. So the Eagles are leaving the door open for a return. I don't think it's likely. Uh, they're kind of forced to burn the ships and commit to last year's 22nd overall pick in Andre Dillard, who struggled mightily at right tackle, but looked a little bit better at left tackle. Um, last season, his anchor was suspect, uh, but the greatest concern was probably internally uh, talks about his mental toughness. You know, he struggled with the Philly media, uh, which is not going anywhere, if you haven't noticed. And also, from my understanding, the media wasn't that tough on him. Um, He's probably going to be under even more pressure if he does replace a giant in Jason Peters, you know, both figuratively and literally, uh, if if JP is indeed going to depart in free agency, which is what it looks like. And then you've got the situation with Big V, uh, who's been there about four or five years, maybe three or four years, uh, and he looks to command about eight, ten million dollars in the market. Now, I think his number, more realistically, should be uh, about half that a year. But because of the way the market is, and because of the way Big V is going to get paid, they probably can't keep him, which is going to affect the depth. So I don't know what they do if they bring in uh, sort of a veteran backup third tackle type guy. 
I would hate to see it disrupted where you got to move Lane over to left tackle. I know Lane can play left, but Lane is a terrific right tackle. Um, so what you do at left tackle is going to be paramount here. You're kind of taking a step out into the unknown here, letting your security blanket for the last 11 years go. And uh, the pressure on a guy like Andre Dillard is only going to accelerate as he's presumably replacing this giant JP. And and as I've said, JP was dominant in Philly. I mean, uh, five five Pro Bowls, uh, or seven Pro Bowls actually in Philly uh, to add to his two Pro Bowls in five years in Buffalo, as well as two All-Pro uh, selections in Philly. Athleticism, power, it's just something we just marveled at every day in practice. I mean, it, just standing around one-on-ones, there'd be something he did every 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 week in practice that everybody would just kind of look around like, holy shit. Factoring in his age or not factoring in his age, he's one of the biggest freaks of nature I've ever seen. To have that anchor and, 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 that, and those feet, you know, like he could beat you to a spot and usually if a guy beats you to a spot that quickly, he's gonna be light in the ass, he's gonna be off balance and he'd be perfectly under control and it's like moving a brick wall. Um, it's not happening. So yeah, his, 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 his play has slipped a little bit lately. Um, you know, he struggled with penalties a bit lately. And I know this is a, it's kind of a long-term thing. Well, we, 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 we took Andre Dillard at 22. We think highly of him. We have to commit to him. And uh, even if, he's the, if, if JP's the better option right now, uh, we have to commit to the young tackle. And I understand that thinking to a degree. But th- these are important. This is an important year for Carson Wentz coming up. It's an important year for the organization. And uh, if you believe that you can develop Andre Dillard uh, under the tutelage of Jeff Stoutland and uh, Doug Peterson and with the help of veterans like Brandon Brooks and, and Lane Johnson into a, into a solid, dependable guy who can protect Carson's blind side, a guy who, by the way, has all these injury concerns swirling around him or let the media tell it he's just been like the walking wounded although he played 16 games last year uh, and exited with a concussion that had nothing to do with uh, really his his durability um you need a left tackle that's gonna that's gonna make you feel protected and i don't think that next year andre dillard is a better option than jason peters i could be wrong it doesn't look like it at this point so who is Jason Peters' uh, next team? Because even on the back end of his 30s, he can still play. He's got one, maybe two more good years in him. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he kept playing longer than that. This guy's a, just a football uh, fanatic. He's, he, he, he can't get enough of the game. He's, he's the closest thing to a coach on the field that I've ever seen. And I play with a lot of Hall of Famers and relatively, I've been lucky enough to play with a few Hall of Famers, okay? So like Aaron Donald is gonna be a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, um, Steven Jackson, uh, Leroy Glover, guys that I think deserve a look for sure. I've never played with a guy that did more to transfer that knowledge uh, that he had accrued over the course of a spectacular career than Jason Peters. I mean, this guy was like literally a coach on the field, and I'll get to that in a minute, but. Looking at his um, possible destinations, his landing spots, I would see the Jets as one. Um, you know, he said he'd be willing to play right tackle. 
you said to be willing to bounce around, so keep that in mind as you, as you discuss this, but you know, the, the Jets and Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas knows Jason Peters well, really, uh, really admires him, I'm sure, and, uh, and knows that he needs to keep Darnold upright. The three teams, though, that I think are gonna be at the core of this thing will be Cleveland, the Chargers, and the Patriots. Cleveland uh, would obviously covet his leadership uh, he could be a big force in that locker room, as well as on the field, obviously. They need to keep Baker upright. Uh, the Chargers, uh, and by the way, Barry's in in, um, in Cleveland now and, and has history in Philly. So as a GM looking to bring in a guy like Jason Peters, that would be a win right off the bat. Although the Trent Williams news that dropped today that he uh, has permission to seek a trade could affect that somehow uh, and affect JP's market slightly. Uh, the the Chargers though um, just traded away Russell Okung. Um, you know they're in need of a tackle. And lastly, the Patriots. I know Eagles fans don't want to hear this, but JP would be the perfect Patriot. Um, he would be Bill Belichick's type guy. You know, if there's one thing that I know about B- Bill Belichick is he respects great football players and guys that have had long successful careers. Um, I think that although a trip to Foxborough may not guarantee a chance to win a Super Bowl on the, on the field the way it once did, um, it's still there. And you know, there's a lot of questions as far as Tom Brady's future, what happens at the quarterback position, what's the direction of that team. But let's say they are retooling and, and making another run at it. JP would be a nice piece for them to pick up, not only in the locker room, uh, but on the field. And uh, I would, I'd be willing to bet that Bill would love to have JP in the locker room. And that, that's a place that, you know, you have to love football to be up there. I've said it before, there's no windows in the facility. It's all football. You're checked in, you're checked all the way in for the day. JP, and I'll talk about this in a minute, uh, would never leave the facility. When I say who's addicted to, to the facility, to football, uh, he was on the highest level. So again, Cleveland, the Chargers, possibly the Jets as a wild card here, and the Patriots as well. Uh, And, you know, just as we talked about Andre Dillard, a lot of the concerns I have about him succeeding, uh, Jason Peters involved, you know, stuff that didn't even involve his ability on the field, Jason Peters will leave a void off the field as well. I mean, it's not all about his really solid play at left tackle. And he played in 13 games last year, uh, gave up, I think, 16 pressures. Still a solid starting left tackle in the league at his age. But but the thing I'll remember about Jason Peters in Philly was his larger-than-life persona. Uh, he, he was literally like the mafia. But he wasn't, like, going to walk in the room and kill anybody or whack anybody. Um, but when you he walked in the room, you knew it. I mean, it just... It was an undeniable presence. Um, he was larger in life, his strong voice, uh, and physically imposing. I mean, the guy's like a bear. But he had the rarest skill of them all, and that was the skill of a teacher, a mentor. And uh, I think when you talk to his teammates, that's the one thing that stands out. I've talked to numerous teammates about you know, the effect that um, JP had on their careers casually in my two years in, in Philly. Uh, and, and to a man, everybody would have a story. I mean, I can remember Brandon Brooks talking about when his, um, 
his anxiety episodes kind of emerged in 2016. You know, here's this gri- grizzled vet who's old NFL, and you know, somebody talking about their anxiety or mental health in the, you know, a decade ago in the NFL uh, would be kind of unheard of. And uh, JP's the one to pull Brooks aside and say, "I got your back." You know, the whole way through, you're going to be all right. You know that th- those type of stories, and there's plenty of them. You know, guys have issues in NFL locker rooms that they have to overcome. They have personal issues. Uh, they have football issues. And I always saw JP uh, standing up for his teammates, coaching younger guys. I would bet, and I wasn't in the locker room last year, that he worked really hard, tirelessly, to help accelerate Andre Dillard's progression, even if it meant that eventually he would replace him. Because that's the type of guy he is. And you know he would be the last guy to leave the facility a lot of times. And I was kind of a guy who would hang around the facility a lot. I didn't get a lot of my work done before work. I used to stay late because I like to sleep. JP would be there. Um, you know, I know that when you're an old guy, sometimes, and you're joining a new team, it's sold and it's pitched as you're this locker room presence or you know great leadership. And I, I always felt kind of insulted at, time late, at times late in my career when I heard those buzzwords about me all the time. Even though people are trying to compliment you, it feels like they're glossing over your on the field stuff. And they definitely can't gloss over Jason's on the field stuff. He can truly still, still do both. He has gas left in the tank. Uh, again, when I would be there late, he'd always be wandering the locker room. Uh, you know, he'd always be hanging out, whether he'd be shooting baskets on the little papa shot in the corner of the locker room with a teammate or, you know, playing pool. We used to play pool, uh, me and JP. And JP was probably the best uh, pool player in the whole locker room. So I would play him 10 times, might beat him once, and it was like a big deal to me. Um, and, and he was just competitive. Like he, he was, he was, he, he was, uh, it was a lot of gamesmanship with him. We'd play a game and he'd let me get up and get ahead of him and then he'd just run the table. He used to say, oh, you got me. You got me long, like I'd be up like three, four balls, and then he would just run the fucking table. And it was just these mind games. I would be there with the eight ball, uh, you know, ready to hit it in and 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 be done with it and get a big win against JP. And just the pressure of having JP standing there in my periphery, uh, just this massive uh, dude who I knew was gonna just beat me if I missed this shot every time I'd miss the shot. He just had that, that, that aura about him. And you know, whether it was that, whether it was you know, pulling up to the facility, seeing JP's big conversion van that, that he would roll in, he had his buddy that would drive him around. Um, you, know, you knew he was at the facility, you just knew. He had that presence. And uh, you know, it was, all that stuff matters. He was a really great teammate. And he had this corner locker, um, you know, the, the, back in the right-hand corner of the locker room where the old linemen were, but he was like the OG. That's why I call him OG on my phone. He's OG Peters. Uh, like I said, he was like this mafia dude, this benevolent mafia dude um, that would take care of the younger players and, and, and would uh, kind of ran the building. So it's going to be weird to imagine a locker room, that corner locker, not occupied with anybody in it. I do think that they should leave that locker unoccupied in the corner of that Eagles uh, locker room in South Philly. And um, I think they should retire the, the jersey number as well. And I really hope he gets a, a Super Bowl on the field. Um, wherever he goes, I'll be pulling for that team.
I hope he gets the confetti treatment, uh, you know, falling on his pads, not his, his hoodie, because, you know, in 17, I watched, and if, when he went down against Washington at home that night, and everybody knew it was a serious injury and he got carted off, it took the air out of our team. Not just because we knew it would, it would hurt our team, and it did. Now guys like Big V stepped up. But it hurt because you knew he'd been waiting his whole career to play in a Super Bowl, and we knew we had a shot. And even when we won, it was bittersweet to me because although he 100% deserved that ring, just like Darren Sproles did, and the two guys I put in the same category as teammates and men, and guys that uh, had to watch the Super Bowl from the sideline, I want to see JP win one on the field. It doesn't take anything away from his ring. He deserves it. He deserves, you know, I've got two rings. I almost feel unworthy of having two rings and having to play in, in two Super Bowls when you got a guy like JP or Sproles who never got a shot uh, to, to jog on, out on that field or, or uh, feel that confetti. Um, you know, and have be in the action that day. I want JP to get that ring. So I wish JP the best. I'm really excited uh, for his new opportunity whenever it is. That locker room that he's going to enter is going to be very lucky. You're going to have a guy that can help you on the field, but also a guy that can bring the younger players along and uh, just has a larger-than-life presence. Go ask any Eagle what they thought of playing with Jason Peters. They'll tell you it was unforgettable. Um, again, wherever he ends up, Pulling for him. So, in other uh, Eagles news, and by the way, when I look at retired jerseys, retired numbers in Philly, Steve Van Buren, Chuck Bednarik, Al Wistert, uh, Tom Brookshire, uh, Pete, they got a lot of fucking difficult names to Pete Retzlaff. Retzlaff? Some of you historians are going to be laughing at me, but okay, I was born in 1985. Chuck Bednarik, I know that one. You know, a lot of, there's a Benaric Award. Um, Jerome Brown, Reggie White, Brian Dawkins. That's eight. Um, oh, well, number five, Donovan McNabb as well. Uh, so yeah, that's nine, I believe. JP should be number 10. Number 71 should be gone for good. Uh, other Eagles news here. Well, Indirectly, Robbie Anderson is likely staying with the Jets, is what I'm hearing. Um, and that, that's a guy who can stretch, uh, stretch the field. And that's something that when you looked at Carson and the Eagles last year, they were missing a lot of things offensively. They, uh, they were sorely missing a guy who could stretch the field. And for a few years, that was, uh, Tor well, that was Torrey Smith, the Super Bowl year. And then it was supposed to be Mike Wallace, he got injured. Then you bring in um, Deshaun Jackson. He gets injured. Uh, he's out pretty much the whole year. And that kind of left, uh, left the Eagles with their pants down there. Uh, so Robbie Anderson is a name that had been swirling around. Obviously a free agent up in New York with the Jets. I think he's realizing that his market's not as good as he thought, which is an interesting uh, trend here. For, for this. It's an unfortunate trend for these guys who are free as wide receivers this year and that the draft is so deep, why pay for a free agent uh, top dollar when you can uh, draft a young player uh, on a rookie deal? And Robbie Anderson seems to be a casualty when it comes to that, but so too could be the Philadelphia Eagles uh, because his name had been swirling around as a free agent target. Uh, the trickle-down effect here, 
in that he's probably staying with the Jets, is that you, you've got to draft somebody for sure now in the first round. You have to you have to get somebody who can stretch the field. That guy's probably going to be Ruggs, uh, who ran, I believe it was a God. What did he run? A four two eight. Um, yeah, that guy can stretch the field. Also, pretty damn good at pickup basketball. I saw that that highlight tape. I mean, there's a sport. I mean, he that's not even what he does for a living, and he's better at basketball than I was at football. This is humbling. Draft that guy. I think the Eagles are like what twenty one. Um, they're gonna have a shot there. I think they're gonna probably have to take two relatively early. Um, and evidently they're out on Cooper as well. So keeping an eye on that situation. Um, also, you know, you've got the Byron Jones speculation. Interesting stat here, uh, when it comes to Byron Jones, do you realize that he doesn't have a pick since week eight, 2017 versus Washington, Kirk Cousins. I don't even know if Washington Kirk Cousins counts as throwing a pick or, or catching a pick. Um, so they're going to have to give him big money. And the one thing to keep in mind is they, you know, they're also good. They also have to deal with Malcolm Jenkins contract situation. Uh, how do you prioritize this money? Um, also the Eagles lost, um, it's a big loss here actually. Zach Grone, who is going to become the Big Ten uh, communications director. Um, he was formerly Eagles um, media relations, so I would have to deal with Zach at all times. Uh, public relations manager is the, is the, uh, the exact title. I just knew Zach as a guy who, was always, who always had my back in the locker room and help me navigate the Philadelphia media minefield uh, landscape. So congrats to Zach. Uh, actually just talked to him on the phone, really excited for him. He didn't call to ask me to shout him out on the podcast. I said, dude, I'm really about to shout you out on the podcast. So congratulations to Zach. A lot of players probably are bummed he's leaving, but Big Ten uh, communications director, good deal, good guy. Uh, I also talked about another NFC's tackle uh, at the beginning of the, the show, and if you uh, have been reading, Trent Williams has been given permission to seek a trade. He's probably going to want to. He he definitely wants a new deal. He's probably going to want upwards of twenty million a year. Um, he's an older player, but he also just took a year off. So I, I don't think you can discount the fact that that's going to help a guy's body a lot. Uh, I think that an athlete like Trent is going to be just fine. He could take a year off football, probably not even stretch, run back on the field and be great. And that kind of coincides with the same conversation about, um, you know, Jason Peters, two very good tackles. I think at this point, at this age, you'd obviously rather have Trent, and Trent's going to command more money in the, uh, in the market. Uh, some of these same teams uh, will be looking at him the interesting thing here is Bruce Allen could have could have traded him last year. I remember there was a night there where I thought he was going to Cleveland. Um, and they could have got a premier pick for him. They're probably not going to get that now. It's very Washington. And um, yeah, so 
We're gonna see him possibly in a new uniform uh, next year. I'm excited for Trent Williams. He has been stuck in a hellhole for uh, about a decade now, and I know how that feels. Nothing against, I mean, I'm not talking like Washington, the city, but the organization has been, has been tough. Tough to play there. We wasted a lot of good football. Um, so we actually had more O-line trades this week as well. Russell Okung, as I mentioned, for Trey Turner, uh, the, the really decorated guard in Carolina. Um, and Russell Okung, the obviously uh, longtime Seattle Seahawk. Uh, now, well, formerly now with the with the Chargers, now he's with Carolina. So, player for player swap, and player for player swaps are pretty rare. They're about ten percent of trades are, are are player for player, and to go O line for O line, that's uh, pretty interesting. Uh, I guess Okung's uh, position coach uh, in L.A. had just been hired uh, in Carolina in Charlotte, uh, Pat Meyer. Yeah. So, you know, Okung's got one more year under his contract, or one, one more year um, under the current contract. I think it's probably a good move for both teams. I don't really, I can't, I can't tell you who's the winner here, but the Chargers obviously need a tackle, and there are at least two new emerging faces in that discussion. Yeah, Browns, as Matt Miller points out, have uh, a number 41 overall pick. Uh, and the Redskins don't have a second rounder. So, could be something brewing maybe with Cleveland making another run at it. We'll see. A um, lot, of, lot of player movement this week already. So, as I mentioned, I mean, players are on the move via trades. There's speculation about uh, landing spots as, as free agency approaches. Um, Al Michaels could be on the move. He will join Frank Gore and Tom Brady as part of a, a group of senior citizens with a lot left in the tank that could be changing teams. Um, Al obviously plays for the NBC Peacocks right now. Did you? It took me like NBC's logo. It took me like three decades to realize it was a peacock. Anybody else? No. I'm like that with logos sometimes it's like I don't even see it um but Al's movement uh by way of a trade would possibly send him hypothetically from NBC uh and Comcast back over to ESPN Disney um obviously he was with ABC uh before and ESPN wants to make a run at the 75 year old NBC analyst and I have no idea what it'll take because this isn't something that you see every day. In fact, if this deal hypothetically went through, Al Michaels would be the first broadcaster to be traded twice. I think in the mid-90s he was traded for a uh, cartoon character. This is no bullshit. I don't know how that works. Uh, Oswald the Mouse? What? Anyways, fast forward to 2020. They want him back, and the chatter uh, surrounding the possible move involves uh, Al and Peyton, Peyton Manning, of course, teaming up in the booth, and I'm feeling like Tony Romo's $18 million a year is going to make things really interesting now. And you talk about Philip Rivers also, ESPN, that name was swirling around as a possible booth mate within Al Michaels, uh, who 
says he wants to keep playing, but when he sees those Tony Romo numbers, you wonder if more players are like, you know, we saw the Michael Thomas complaints about Tony's uh, new salary. Are some players gonna look at this opportunistically? They're like, if, I, if I'm gonna make seven, eight, ten million dollars on the field, not that Phil's gonna be asking for that much, for that little money, I think realistically Phillip's gonna be competitive with Tony's in booth, uh, in booth numbers, but you might wonder if some of these players are, are looking at these booth guys like, yeah, maybe I could make this money and not get hit. Like realistically, I could walk away from football and start a me- media career and talk about it. Um, but either name here, would be very interesting, and it makes this uh, Tony Romo th- development, it makes him kind of like this Sean McVay. Like he's this trend-setting guy that's busting in the market, this younger, fresh face, uh, guru-type presence that you know he's diagnosing the plays, flexing the intellectual muscles. You know, and you've, you've still got your Troy Aikmans of the world, still got your Dan Fouts of the world, and it's always been the color commentary uh, on the biggest stage. It feels like it's a quarterback thing, uh, but these younger, fresher faces, this new wave uh, coming out of the game now, it's gonna be interesting to see where they land in the media, because presumably a lot of them are gonna join the media. But anyways, uh, you know whether it's Phillip Rivers or more likely Peyton Manning, and none of this necessarily is likely, because NBC could just veto this thing immediately, but you need Al to probably, Al would probably need his contract restructured. Uh, you need the trade to go through. Um, and I don't think either of these guys, whether it's Peyton Manning or Phillip Rivers, would prefer working with Tess over Al Michaels. Al Michaels is, is elite dog. And Tess, who's been great in boxing, got kind of mixed reviews when it came to Monday Night, Monday Night Football. So a lot of moving parts here, but Essentially what's happening is ESPN will be angling to to kind of show their commitment to football in the wake of some years where the perception was that they weren't as interested and on the heels of this, um, not on the heels, uh, in lieu of this uh, upcoming TV contract negotiation deal with the NFL, uh, Jimmy Pitaro of ESPN is kind of on this apology tour where he wants people to know that we're serious about football. And one way to do that would be to commit big money to somebody like Al Michaels. And doing that, you you really want two things. That's what Disney wants. Um, you want A, ABC, you'd want eventually to land a Super Bowl. Um, and two, B, you, you'd, you'd, you'd want Monday Night Football to return to ABC. You know, initially, Monday Night Football was taken off of ABC's books and shifted over to ESPN because, as I understand it, uh, you felt like it was it was better to to burden ESPN with the costs at the time. Now, in in the era of cord cutting and like some subscription canceling and cable being where it is, ESPN having Monday Night Football has become a little bit more burdensome, a little bit more cumbersome. You want that to go back over to ABC. And by the way, I just love the look of ABC Monday Night Football. I miss that. Um, I think Al Michaels would be spectacular with Peyton Manning. I don't even know how Peyton Manning would, would be. And I know that's there's kind of like, you kind of look at this thing and it's like the coaching thing. You know, a lot of coaches have been at it for a long time. They're not getting paid eight 
A lot of coaches that have been at it a long time are just like a lot of these broadcasters have been at, been at it a long time, not getting paid $18 million. You're looking at Tony Romo like, what the fuck? I've been at this for 30 years. Um, but I, 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 do think, I do think he's changing the landscape. I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily a thing where Tony's going to now raise the market favorably to the tune of, you know, this is now the bar, 18 million's the bar for the rest of the color commentators in the, in the business. You also have studio people, you have media members at large. It's not like every media member is looking at Tony Romo's thing excitedly because they're going to make more money. It's, it's not going to work like that. Tony's an outlier. Um, but he could stem some, he could stem some, some change, uh, when it comes to the way you look at the newer hires. Uh, in that business and you know some younger fresher faces that came right off the field and I think Peyton would do would do pretty well there but again some people might find that um, insulting because Peyton hasn't even been in the booth to pair him with Al Michaels uh, but that's the way this, this thing's going uh, I'd love to see Al Michaels back where he started to be full circle um, and I can absolutely hear him and Peyton in the booth uh, and the question is what would it take 18 to 20 million is evidently what, what, what it would take for Peyton. Uh, I don't know what it would take to snag Al Michaels, but man, that would be fun. And you know, you would miss the, uh, what do they call that when Chris Collinsworth slides in? Just a Collinsworth slide? Um, I don't know if Peyton has the slide that Al's used to, that he's accustomed to, but he's got time to work on it. Um, and I think their chemistry, the Peyton Prance, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> the, 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 the Collinsworth slide to the Peyton Prance. I don't know, um, I don't know why, I can just, I can hear them in the booth together and I would be excited about that. I would be excited about Monday Night Football back on ABC at some point. Uh, kind of remind me of my early childhood. Well, what year did they, uh, did they lose it? Um, anyways, a lot going on in the NFL free agency coming up soon. You've got the, the Tom Brady thing, uh, you know, that, that it's getting new legs every day. It's a new destination. It's a flavor of the week type thing every week. It's whether it's Tennessee, Vegas, as I mentioned, what I'm hearing in Vegas is that possibly Gruden doesn't want him as bad as the front office wants him. And of course that's always going to be relatively true. Uh, when it comes to a coach's interest and uh, the front office's interest in, in Vegas because, you know, in Vegas, it's about, it's going to be about selling tickets and who better to sell tickets than, you know, six-time Super Bowl champion um, bringing him in right off the bat. That would be killer for the front office. But if Gruden, even with all his job security, is not crazy about Brady, that's not as great a marriage. You know, we obviously had the FaceTime in, uh, at Syracuse, as bizarre as that, the FaceTime with Vrabel, as bizarre as that was at Syracuse, uh, which by the way, you're sitting in the front row, you know people behind you can see it. So it's not like they got snuck up on there unless Julian Edelman, you know, if you gave him a Madden awareness rating off the field, it's like a 26 uh, because he had to know people behind him would take what they were going to take from that. Um, you know, so you've had Tennessee, you've had the Chargers being talked about, uh, you've had Vegas being talked about. 
I don't think Indy is 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 a destination uh, that 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 Tom would be particularly interested in because of Peyton. Uh, I think that San Francisco. I wrote about San Francisco over the summer. Uh, I wrote for uh, Jimmy Traina's. Uh, I forget what. I forget what the the co- Traina thoughts. That's the column. I, I wrote uh, about a scenario where possibly. Jimmy is pretty good, but can't get San Francisco over the hump because they're loaded, but but they don't get the desired result because of quarterback play, and possibly Tom plays pretty good, not great, and there's a schism when it comes to him and uh, and Brady, and you know there's a situation where possibly the team swap quarterbacks, not via trade, uh, but effectively they trade quarterbacks. Now nobody wants that to come true more than me because I wrote the column first, okay. That's, I mean, like, come on, this is how this works. I'm a rookie at this media thing. If Brady uh, went to the Bay the way that I wrote about it in the summer, I would be overjoyed. I also think that uh, it's not as simple as you might think. Um, you look at it and you say, some people might say, well, Jimmy had a better year than Tom last year. Yes and no. Jimmy had a statistically pretty good year, uh, but he missed some big throws. Uh, Tom didn't have a great year, but he also didn't have half the weapons Jimmy had. And, you know, if you're saying, well, Kyle Shanahan has to make that move, I'm just going to tell you, uh, it's more than just uh, who, who'd be the better quarterback for our team. It's also about your locker room. Uh, and I'm sure they would eventually get on board if there was a move for Brady. Um, but you saw Kittle uh, amid, you know, that speculation that Brady was, was headed to the Bay posting on Instagram, let, like, let's run this back 10. Uh, you know, I, I talked to a 49er who told me, I had actually asked him open-endedly, who's the best teammate, who are some of the best teammates you've ever had? Unsolicited, he mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Other players called this speculation ludicrous. John Lynch, the 25th of February, comes out and says that Jimmy's our guy. You know, things change though. Um, and sometimes you have to do the uncomfortable, unpopular thing, um, and people get over it. But let's not oversimplify it. There's also the whole assumption that you know Kyle would even want Tom Brady at this point, or that he would fit in that offense uh, with all the move the pocket stuff, et cetera. Could they work around him? But that rumor has picked up steam. The, the key here, is that it's it's the March 18th date. Uh, the minute that date hits, Tom's gonna cost the Patriots no matter what, 13 and a half in dead money if he rolls. Um, so if Tom wants to stick uh, to New England and stay in Boston, they need to get a deal done before then because at that point, if they do a deal before then, he's only gonna cost six and a half against the cap. Um, if I read that correctly in the Barnwell art article there. Uh, so, you know, if the clock strikes midnight and Tom has not reached a, uh, an agreement with the Patriots at that date, he's probably gone because he has taken into account, he's aware that he's going to cost the Patriots more if, uh, if they don't get a deal done by that time period. And if he wants to come back, they're going to need that cash to surround him with weapons. So. Keep an eye on that date, uh, you know, 
be wary of the flavors of the week, unless of course it's San Francisco and my column is proved right and then everybody um, gets in line to pay me a bunch of money because I'm basically Nostradamus. Um, I'll take 10 mil a year just to write columns, prophetic columns. So yeah, that was uh, that was as much of the NFL news from the past couple of days as, as I could cram into an impromptu pod. I want to remind you that me and William Hayes did a podcast in the Serengeti late at night in Tanzania about a week or two ago, and we did it. We did it. I got the audio back. We chopped it up. We uh, we pushed it out. We packaged it and rolled with it this morning. Um, so check that out if you haven't. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Same thing coming up for uh, Aaron Donald, Fishbowl interview, exclusive sit down. We talked for about an hour, former teammate of mine, you know, one of the best, one of the best football players in the league. Um, he was, uh, he was, he's very, he's very uh, introverted in, in general. Like he's not gonna be a big talkative guy, not gonna let you in. So I thought we, we had a really interesting interview and I learned a lot about him. I sat next to him in the locker room for a couple of years and uh, didn't learn as much as I learned sitting down and talking to him with two microphones. So really cool to have Aaron Donald on the fishbowl and that is coming out uh, on audio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and that's gonna be dropping early next week, I believe. So yeah, that'll be Monday. And again, we're gonna have me, Making Gunner, uh, my co-host back in the studio doing a green light pod. Uh, that'll drop Wednesday. So Monday, Aaron Donald, Wednesday, another green light pod. Everybody have a great weekend. Y'all take care.